I greet you all once again in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. I was glad to be in the presence of the Lord. I am excited. It's always an honor and a privilege. The Bible says we should not neglect the gathering of the saints. Um, you may be seated in God's presence. Amen. Um, I thank God for the opportunity. Um, thank you, sir, for the opportunity. Today, these something the Lord has laid in my heart. Uh, we have just maybe 30 minutes or even less, but we will continue with the subject until we finish. Um, we'll be looking at the purpose of salvation. The purpose of salvation. Um, the question would be, do we all know the reason why we were saved? Many people would say, because we were dying and we needed saving. Of course, that's very true. But what is the purpose for your salvation? Why did you get born again? In fact, why did Jesus have to come? Why in the world would God want to save you? The Bible says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that it gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have an everlasting life. The question is, why in the world would God want to do that? In John chapter 1, verse 12 to 13, it says, As many that received him, he gave them the power to be called the children of God. They were not born after the flesh or the will of man, but by the Spirit. The question still stands, though. Why did we get saved? Is there more to salvation than saving from and the forgiveness of sins. Do you know what you received when you got saved? Why did Jesus come? Was it to found a church? To improve on humanity? Or to give us a code of conduct? What is it that makes us Christians? Why? I like asking myself these questions because understanding this helps me to live out my fullest potentials in Christ if I know why I was born again. Did Jesus come down for me so that I can have beautiful cars and houses, get married, and have many kids that look like me, I hope? <laughs> why did Jesus come? Was it because um, at some point I should get married and have a very handsome husband? Could it be that? What is the reason behind us being born again? So that we live lavish lives and comfortable lives? Why? What is the purpose of our salvation? Now in today's teaching, we'll endeavor to answer these questions. When we understand the purpose of our salvation, we'll then be able to live the kind of lives that God has called us to live. We'll understand that Christianity isn't a religion, but having the pulsating life of the, uh, the risen Christ and demonstrating his virtues, excellencies, glory, and perfections. That's what Christianity is about. When we understand the reason for salvation, we'll then live up to the 
standard that God has for us, the dream that God had in mind. Do you think that when God sent Jesus, in his mind he was thinking of us driving luxurious cars, that he should come save us for that? Do you perhaps think it was all about just saving us from sin? What was in his mind for him to even orchestrate, plan with such genius, with such wisdom, the plan and whole purpose of salvation? What, what was in his mind? Now the Lord Jesus came for one purpose. He came for one purpose and this we see in John 10, 10. Something we always talk about and we made reference to it the last time when we spoke on the subject of the essence of eternal life. Jesus says, I am come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. He's clear about why he came to this earth. And then 1 John 5 verse 11, 13, John talks about the eternal life and the life that is in the Father, that is in the Son, and that whoever would have the Son has that life. Says, I'm writing to you that believe in the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So now, when we come born again or saved, what we got was eternal life. Many people really try, um, they, find, they find it hard to tell us or to explain what they got or received when they got born again. To them, they would say, no, I got the forgiveness of sins. But that is what comes with eternal life. First, it is eternal life given to you and everything else follows. We did an in-depth study on eternal life in a teaching, like I said, the essence of eternal life. However, the purpose of today's teaching, um, for the purpose of today's teaching, we will refresh you or refresh your memory. Because it's essential for us to answer the question, why we got born again or even the purpose of being saved or, or, or purpose of our salvation, we would need to look at eternal life again as something we received. Now the Greek word translated life in 1 John chapter 5, 13, 11, for the want of time we're not going to read it, but I'd like us to take note of it. But John 5, 11 to 13, That word in that verse is Zoe. Zoe is the kind, is the God kind of life. It means eternal life, God's life. The new kind of life is God's nature. It produces certain changes in our lives. And we are able to see its effects. Eternal life means ageless, without a beginning, no an end. It is timeless. It means incorruptibility, indestructible, imperishable, not subject to failure, not subject to death. Only God has it, and that's why it is called, he, he is called rather the eternal one. Now, when we became born again, we received Jesus, accepted him as our Lord and Savior, 
and that means we receive salvation, we were brought into the ageless zone of God. Hallelujah. Amen. We were brought into the ageless zone of God. All the attributes that we see evident in God are now in the new creation. It is mind-boggling, pardon me, it is confusing in a way that you cannot really understand how can a natural man suddenly, by believing in the heart and speaking or conversing with the mouth, becomes a God. Because that's what it means. It's beyond, it's just my sins are forgiven. Now I've turned a new leaf. No! There is a life now at work in you. You see, before salvation, there was death at work in you. And everything that concerns you was perishing. And you also were perishing. And that's why the Bible says, by the disobedience of one man, death reigned. Death, death was reigning, reigning in our lives, in our bodies, and everything connected to us. That is why people of this world, without Jesus, no matter their effort, it's still death reigning in their lives. But we have a different account altogether, a different story, and a different experience as those who have received Jesus. As many as received him, he gave them power. He gave them the authority to become the sons of God. No, come on now. When Jesus walked, in, uh, walked the earth, and even after that, we know him as the son of God. The Bible says as many that received him gave them power to be called the sons of God. How can then we short fall of anything or be less than what Jesus is? So eternal life is then an enablement a power that is at work in us, a nature that is at work in us that allows us to produce God's image and likeness. Something that men lost in the Garden of Eden. Hallelujah. Are we still following? Now, having established this, another question would then be, why would God give us his eternal life? What was it for? We are trying to unpack and understand the salvation of our purpose. Because you see, if we do not understand why we got saved, we will never really live the lives that God has called us to live. We will live as mere men. That's what David says. The psalmist says, he says, they are gods. I've said unto you, ye are gods. But they will, because they know not, they do not understand, they will die like mere men. When you do not understand who you are, you become like everybody else. You succumb to the norms and standards that men have set. Because you just don't know. So when we know why we got born again, why we were saved, why did it, I mean, that's a, a serious trip. From eternity into time. From eternity into time. The Bible says, no man had ever seen God before, but the word was made flesh. Why in the world would God make contact with man for the very first time? What was so important? What did he want to achieve? He wanted to give men eternal life. But then why? Weren't we okay just living the natural life? 
What is this? Now there are two reasons I want us to look at today. We'll start with one and as we progress we'll cover everything. It entails a whole lot. This is quite lengthy. But nonetheless, the first one is fellowship with God. And second, making God manifest in his fullness. If God would give us his life and nature, there must have been a reason and a purpose for that. And the first purpose is to have fellowship with him. 1 Corinthians 1 chapter, pardon me, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9. I want us to understand the reason behind God's plan for redemption, the reason behind God's uh, purpose, or rather, God's action of sending Jesus to this world. Why Jesus had to come. Jesus didn't come because God wanted to prove himself as the all-powerful God. God doesn't need to prove anything to us to be God. Whether you believe that he exists or not, he still exists. That's why he's not moved by atheists who say there's no God. And he's not moved by people of various religions when they deny him and his power. He's not in the business of proving himself because he's got nothing to prove to men. So now he's acts are not to flex. Anything that God does is not to flex. Of course, he can do something and then when people see it, they then, oh, really he can do that. He surely is the son of God. That's what they said when Jesus hung on the cross and everything, it was dark everywhere. Rocks were cracking and, and graves were opening up and they said, surely this was the son of God. But he was not dying to prove that he was the son of God. There was something in the father's heart, in the father's mind. Verse 9 says, God is faithful, reliable, trustworthy, and therefore ever true to his promise. And he can be depended on by whom you are called into companionship and participation with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The King James Version, instead of participation and companionship, it says fellowship. Now before we can move any further into the New Testament, I want us to consider what is recorded in the book of Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. It says, But the Lord God, let's start all right. And they heard the son of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, we only read this part because I believe we all know the story and everything that happened in the Garden of Eden. This is an aftermath of what had happened or the disobedience of Adam when they had eaten from the forbidden fruit or tree. And now, they discovered that they were naked. Their eyes were open to their nakedness. 
And now they hid themselves and made, you know, tried to cover themselves with fig leaves and hid themselves. The Bible says in the cool of the day they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden. Now there was a time when men could hear God speak. There was a time when men could enjoy or even communicate with God. The way we read it says they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. So it means there was a time when men was allowed in the presence of God and it was not a problem. Men could be in the presence of God without any fear of condemnation. What was it that happened? What, why was it so? We see in Genesis 1.26, let us make men in our own image. Because man was once like God and so was in the class of God and could relate with God. There was no need to hide from God. Because there was a point where man was the very expression of God. Because man could be in the presence of God without any fear. So, but this time around, when God was walking, the voice of God and God was there, man was nowhere to be found. Man had hid himself. The consequences of sin. Sin makes people hide away from God. That's why you find people that will say, no, I'm just a sinner. I don't think I'm even right to come to church. I need to sort myself up first. No, you can't do it yourself. Had it been the case, Jesus wouldn't have come. So now we see the reason that sin caused something, a bridge of fellowship or in fellowship. Men once fellowship with God. Didn't even care that he was naked. Do you know that vulnerability is a very good indicator of intimacy? When you can be vulnerable with somebody, you are intimate with that person. In the sense that you don't mind if they see your nakedness. Because you know them. And by nakedness I mean, not a physical one, of course. It gets to that point within the marriage institution. But you open up. You don't open up to everybody. Not everybody knows your heart. Not everybody knows your plans, your thoughts, what concerns you, your weaknesses. But there should be certain people or one person that knows all of that. So this was the situation with Adam and Eve. They were then in the garden of Eden in the presence of God. They didn't even know they were naked. And then God said, who told you that you were naked? No, we heard your voice, Lord, and we hid ourselves because we we're naked. Who told you? You see, sin feeds us with all things and opens up our eyes to witness and false. And then we feel so uncomfortable because the devil reminds you of what you did last night. It's going to remind you what you did 20 years ago. It's going to haunt you and you feel you're not worthy to be in the presence of God. So now, because of sin, men could no longer be in God's presence and that's why Adam and Eve hid themselves among the trees. They couldn't be in God's presence with confidence. Sin was the problem. 
The Lord Jesus then had to die and resurrect to solve the problem of sin. Salvation from sin is actually what helps us enter into or fully experience God's higher purpose for Jesus' vicarious death and triumphant resurrection. Salvation from sin is a means to an end. It was not what Jesus came for, but it is a means to an end. Meaning it was something he had to do to accomplish God's higher purpose. There was something. There was something beyond. So he didn't just, okay, they've sinned. Well, let me just come. There was something he needed to sort. He needed to sort it out, sort it. But then he had to remove sin out of the way. Hallelujah. God had a higher purpose. The Lord Jesus came to bring us into fellowship with God. And this is why I said we need to understand the purpose of our salvation. Why were we saved? This is why many people don't understand that they've got fellowship with God and can't even enjoy a rich fellowship with God simply because they do not know what he came for, what Jesus came for. For them, it's my sins are forgiven, it's all good. But yet their Christian lives are empty, powerless, and purposeless. Now eternal life, we said, why did God give us eternal life? Eternal life brought us into the class of God, into oneness with him. It is this divine life and nature that allows us to have fellowship and oneness with God. This we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 17. Let's take a look at it. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Hallelujah. Oh, we still here. And it reads from Amplified. But the person who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. No, can, can your mind comprehend this? Sometimes, I don't know. I'm going to read it again. But the person who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Him who? Him who? Jesus. You become one spirit with the Lord. If you are joined with the Lord, you become one spirit with the Lord. How can it be possible? You see, eternal life that allows that union because it is God's nature in life. The new creation has been called into a vital fellowship of the God kind. It's a partnership and togetherness with deity and a oneness of spirits which is an inseparable union with divinity. I don't know if we can understand this. An inseparable um, union with divinity. I'm one with God. Each time when I think of this, I am one with God. Ah, whoa. Now the Bible teaches us about the marriage institution that the men and the women shall become one flesh. Right? And we know what that means. I'd like to believe. I hope so. <laughs> they become one flesh. So, Sister Lina is a representation of Pastor Emmanuel. And so, vice versa. He doesn't belong 
to himself or his body that belongs to her and vice versa. Now, if I am one with God, so I am a representation of God. I have the life of God in me and when I show up, God shows up in situations and therefore people around me and things and situations can't remain the same because they've had an encounter with the God in me who lives through me. I, when I show up, God shows up. The Bible says, don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? God has chosen to live in us. But he needed to remove the nature of sin, do away with sin, give us his life that allows us to be one with him, inseparably so. And then, fellowship, the essence thereof is oneness. We've not just been called to communicate with him, to speak to him, to hear him, but we've actually been called to be one with him. Now I understand what Jesus meant when he said, I am the Father of one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Philip was busy pestering him and saying, Lord, show us the Father, show us the Father. He says, you're still asking me all this? I mean, I've been with you for such a long time and you're still asking me to show you the Father? When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Glory. When the world desires to know God, they have to look at you. Jesus says, I am the true vine and you are the branches. Now the same life that flows in the vine is the same that flows in the branches. Surprisingly, fruits are not on the stem but on the branches. And that's where the glory of the tree is. That's where the beauty of the tree is. Where? In the branches. I will know it's a mango tree because I saw the branches giving fruit. The mango fruit. No, people will know God in his righteousness, power, and love when they take a look at me. Because I've become one with him and I share that life. And that life is transferable. That life is also possible to pass it on to another. This is what Jesus was saying. All that you have seen me do. All that you have seen me accomplish. He says that I see my father do it and therefore I do it. That's why he said to Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. He's nothing different from me. But it is a shame that nowadays when we wonder about Christians, that people say, I don't want to be a Christian if Christians are like this. There's a mispresentation of God. Distortions and distorted views of who God is. Because people do not understand what they have. If the new creation would understand that I have eternal life and therefore I've become one with him inseparably, I can make him manifest in my world. I can leave him out. That is why there was no sickness or disease or demon that survived in the presence of Jesus. But it is funny that we live and breathe with demons in our midst. No, 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 we live and breathe with diseases. We can't do anything about them. They are there. And we can't.
and see them. Not, don't, don't talk about sorting them out and dealing with them. We can't even see that they are demons. So we just, because we do not know what we have. We do not know who we are. Salvation is more. The Bible doesn't talk about the forgiveness of sins, just that you're forgiven. It says you've been justified. Justification is about being declared not guilty. There is a difference between I apologize and I receive um, forgiveness. I'm pardoned. But it's written that you did it. Nonetheless, it's okay. But justification says not guilty, never done wrong. Devil accuses you of murder. But you say, no, in my past life I killed, I raped, I did one, two, and three. And Jesus says, not guilty, never done it before. For if any man be causes a new creation, now you have the life of God. So you do not stand as a murderer and adulterer, you stand as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is who we are. Our time is up. We'll continue. But I want you to ponder on these things. This is how we can be effective as the body of Christ. Shake the nations because we know that we know that we know that we are one with God. No, we are one with God. We become one with God. I'd like us to rise on our feet. I want you to think on these things. Just imagine it. Let your spirit grasp it. Let your spirit grasp this truth. You have become one with God. That was the reason, the first, there was a higher purpose for Jesus coming. He didn't die for nothing. He didn't die for nothing. It was not just to save you from sin so that you can remain the same, but it was for him to give you his life, that you be united with him. Demons, diseases cannot survive in your presence. In the same way they cannot survive in the presence of God. Sickness cannot survive in your presence. This is how you take authority over your life. You refuse anything that is contrary to the will of God. Anything that is on is not of God. You say, no, I am joined with the Lord. I am one with Him. And I refuse stagnation. I refuse limitations. I refuse failure. Jesus was never limited. God cannot be limited. How dare you be limited? You say, devil, get it behind me. I am progressing in the name of Jesus. You cannot hold me back. The Bible says death could not hold Jesus down. He was in the grave and the devil thought in the first day he had him. The second day, but he didn't know that there was a third day coming. Even death could not hold him. How can death hold you down when his life and nature is in you? 
consternation hinder you? How can you succumb to poverty and lack? You say no. What is not of God is not at work in my life. Because you understand that you are one with God. If I am one with God, then it got to show. It has to show. I want you to go on ahead and pray with this understanding. Just pray with this understanding. And this is why our prayers will be effective when we know that we're connecting. In prayer, we are connecting to the power, the essence of the power that is at work in us and in us. And that is God himself. Father, we thank you for our union with you. Our fellowship with you. How can our lives remain the same? There is more to our salvation than just the doing away of sin. You gave us your life because you longed for fellowship with us. Thank you for your life that is at work in us. Thank you for the union that we enjoy with you. Oh, we are one with you. We have an inseparable union with you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus.